Thanks for listening to the Pioneer Valley Church podcast. Our hope is that what you hear encourages your faith in the way of Jesus and inspires you to participate in what God is up to in the world. God bless. All right, so we're in this series, Unhurried, and um, the first week, uh, Rondi brought us into the conversation around hurry sickness. Do you guys remember that? Uh, and what does it mean to be uh, sick with hurry? And he illuminated a lot of that in our own culture and how we, we suffer from that. Uh, last week, I talked about the practice of Sabbath as a spiritual discipline uh, where we experience the now and the not yet of eternity. We practice our eternity with God even now. We slow down to live at the pace of Jesus. We learn from Adam and from the story in Genesis that, that God created humanity first and primarily to rest and to delight with him. Um, and Jesus says this in Mark 2. He says, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, this is a gift to humanity, something for our benefit, something for us to become more like Jesus because of. Uh, and when we live outside of that identity, when we live outside of that gift, when we live outside of that pace that Jesus lived at, um, we, we miss the, the rest of God. But when we live in that, uh, we live actually into the pattern of creation as it was designed to be. Uh, we, we get something special from God, and we're going to talk about that today. Uh, we, we also recognize, though, that we live in a fallen world, right? Uh, and our world has been made crooked by our own controls, our own desire to define what is good and bad. And so Jesus comes to teach us explicitly uh, through, through the Gospels, but also implicitly through what we witness in his life, how to live in a right way, how to live in the kingdom of heaven, even on earth. Slowing down to unhurry our lives is a means to an end. And the end is to be more with God, to rest in God, to be empowered by God's spirit, to make time to delight and find our identity in God so that we can give more of him away because you cannot give what you do not have, right? And so we need to stop, to delight, to contemplate, to rest in Jesus regularly to receive that life that is truly life so that we can give it away to him. But this is hard, and it's always been hard. Yeah. And it was hard for the people even in the Old Testament. It was hard for the Israelites uh, to do this. And, uh, and, and what we're going to talk about today is, is kind of this idea of a counter-liturgy. And that liturgy is kind of church world language. It, it's a way of worshiping, right? A, a way in which we worship. So we have a worship service every Sunday, and it has a liturgy to it. We sing, we take communion, and, we, and it creates a pace of worship for us, Right? The world has a liturgy to it. It's shaping a way of worshiping, a way of being human. Uh, and we are looking to Jesus to offer us a counter liturgy. But this is difficult. Um, in uh, Ezekiel chapter 20, uh, the author writes this. He says, and he's talking about this history of, of the challenge of resting and finding their rest in God, uh, about the Israelites. In verse, in verse 15, he says, Also with uplifted hand I swore to them in the wilderness that I would not bring them into the land that I had given them, a land flowing with milk and honey. Doesn't that sound good? The most beautiful of all lands, because they rejected my laws and did not follow my decrees and desecrated my Sabbath. 
This is the story that the author of Hebrews picks up, even for us as New Testament Christians, as we try to fight to find our identity in the rest of Jesus, to be, offer, to be formed by what he had to offer, the rest for your souls, as he says. And in Hebrews, in uh, chapter 3, uh, the author writes this. He says, And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not those who disobeyed? So we see that we, they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. If you know the story that both of these authors are talking about, it's the story of, of God setting up a pattern to life for his people and his people not trusting him with that pattern and wanting to do more and, wanting, think, and having this kind of scarcity mentality that there's just not enough in the way that God gives us a pattern to life. Um, and, and so there's this lack of trust in God that equates to a lack of experience rest with God. They missed out. Are you with me right there? Yeah, and what's so sad about this is that it's not a condition that is just for the Israelites, right? It's something that we all experience. It's a human condition. And many of us, we resist and we miss out on God's design for work and rest. And if and when we finally realize it, it's usually way too late. Um, this nurse, Bronnie Ware, she's an Australian nurse, and she spent years of her life working with people in their last weeks of life. And she wrote down epiphanies that they had, and she put it together in this book called The Top Five Regrets of Dying. Here are the top two. Number one was that they had wished that they'd live their life with more courage to live their life and not live the life that everyone expected them to live. And number two was they wish they hadn't worked so hard. They regretted missing time with their children and their youth or spending time with their spouse um, because they were caught up on that treadmill of working and working to exist. And, and I know saying this, I believe that you guys agree and logically this makes sense. Like you guys know this, we hear this over and over, but I would also bet that the idea of instituting rest seems impossible or like at the very, very least impractical, right? And that's, I think that makes sense. It's challenging. When we first started it, I think we had those same feelings and thoughts. And anytime we've shared the idea of Sabbathing to a new group, we've heard the same things. And even now we've had conversations with many of you who have shared like, this sounds really challenging. Like, how do I do that? And it makes sense. There's a lot of legitimate questions like, how is this practical in my life stage? I work three jobs, I go to school full time, I'm a single mom. I've got a bunch of kids at home, they're all in diapers, and I work at night. Like we all have different challenges and it could just seem yeah. that this won't fit. Um, how do we even implement this practically? Like what do I do, what's step one? I pick a day, I stare at a wall, like is that how I rest, right? It's a lot of questions. Is this sustainable? Can I keep this rhythm in my life? Mm. So many things I've started and haven't finished. Right. <laughs> like, it's, will this be sustainable for me? Um, do I implement this now, even though I feel like I'm okay, mm. just out of the wisdom of following an example that Jesus did? Or do I wait until I've burnt out and had a mental breakdown? <laughs> like, does it matter? <laughs> um, how do we even create this culture of rest? And can we sustain it as a community? All these questions, I think, are legitimate. Yeah. And I just want to encourage you to take heart that Sabbath is a practice. So that means that it's something that we have to practice doing. And like anything that we take on new, it always gets harder 
right, before it takes off, before we have success in it. Um, when Elias first introduced the concept of Sabbath to me, I had four babies under the age of four. I was nursing Jude. We had just planted a church. We were leading singles congregationally. I think we had just finished putting on the singles conference in Phoenix. We were a little bit busy. And um, I was really faithless. Like, I don't think that this is going to work for me. Sorry. Like, maybe there's things that you can stop doing, but most of my life I can't stop doing. You know, like, how will I rest? And I was a little bit angry and resentful when I would see Elias try to implement it because we were disunified in it, right? I didn't believe that I could rest. And so when I'd see him rest, I'd be like... Yeah. I didn't do a great job on the rollout with that one, that's for sure. Yeah. We just weren't on the same page, yeah. right? When husband and wives aren't on the same page, it never goes well. Yeah. Um, but then I read this book, Elias recommended this book, and I started reading, and I started studying out Sabbath for myself, and I started to kind of like buy into it. I'm like, okay, all right, I'll try it. I, this makes sense. It's a gift. Jesus is trying to give me something. Okay, I'm going to take it. And I like fumbled through it a lot because I didn't know how to do it. It was like well, can I do this? Is this okay to do on the Sabbath? Am I allowed to do that? It's like all I knew was rules. And I just wanted to find more rules to figure out how to do Sabbath. And Sabbath isn't about rules. It's not. It's about finding a rule of life, which if you remember, Elias talked a little bit about that. But Sabbath, interestingly, is described sometimes as an act of resistance, which makes a lot of sense, right? It's resisting that hurry culture that we're in, the consumerism, and it's resting from the formation of the world. Um, and it's also, it exposes the resistance in us. It really does. Um, because slowing down and being still, it's really going against the grain, right, of culture, of what we, how we've been formed. Um, laundry actually illuminated this for me. I know, laundry. I actually like doing laundry, and I have a lot of laundry a lot all of week laundry, long. A lot but I've laundry. always really liked it. It was, to me, kind of like a little mini vacation in the middle of my busy, busy life or my busy day. It was like my alone time. Nobody would bother me if I was doing laundry. <laughs> so it seemed like a really peaceful place for me, and I imagined, well, I could take this into Sabbath with me because it's always been a restful place. But as I learned to experience rest in Jesus and the things that he's given me, like delighting in my children and, and not having to really do anything, I realized, oh, I don't need to do anything to find that rest. Does that make sense? Like it started to un, like unravel this practice that I had of escapism. Right. Like I had found doing something helped me escape what seemed like, and it seemed like rest, mm. and it wasn't. And as soon as I learned how to, like, get rest from God, I was like, oh, I don't need to do this. And I remember throwing all my laundry right. off my bed. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, you know, liturgies, again, they're, they're, they are how we worship, right? Uh, they shape us into a particular type of people. And so the question we're wrestling with is, are we, over time, over the course of our life, over the course of our congregational life, are we becoming more the type of people who find their rest in God, who find their identity in God's love, who can slow down and not be in control and be at the pace of Jesus and feel great about it? Or are we being deceived are we getting our identity, our security, our peace, our joy, our satisfaction from somewhere else? 
Um, that's the tension, right? And, and if we are, we are running the risk that the author of Hebrews was trying to warn his audience. There is a temptation for all of us uh, to believe that in, in turning our attention away from the living God, in, in making more time to accomplish and to do and to fill our agendas, that somehow we will find rest and satisfaction. And you and I all feel that tension, right? We turn towards our careers, towards the curating of our children's lives and their sports and their educational lives and their social status and all those things. And we turn towards attaining more pleasure and experiences. And, and we kind of turn really ultimately towards expansion of our own little kingdom. Um, but ironically enough, we come up wanting. Yeah. We come up unsatisfied. We come into Sunday morning tired, thirsty, maybe a little beat up. We cram it in seven days a week, and and yet it's not doing the trick, right? Work, entertainment, distractions, striving. um, You can do all of that and still make it to church, still be a part of a small group, still take communion on Sunday, right? but not be experiencing the life that, come, that Jesus has come to offer. Um, and so, so we need to learn to slow down. The author of Hebrews goes on in chapter 4, still talking about the same theme. This is a great hall of Scripture for you to study out this week. He says, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we have the good news, we have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed it. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken about later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. This is New Testament. Let us make every effort to enter that rest. In other words, to curate our lives, the rhythm, the habits, the practices of our lives around a deeply rooted obedience to God defining our identity, to centralizing who we are, our schedules, our finances, our relationships around the way that God has called us to be, to see him as the one who truly satisfies. Uh, We've been talking about this discipline of of Sabbath, taking a weekly kind of stop to, to just rest and delight and contemplate and be with God. And it is a spiritual discipline, as Rachel talked about. It's something that you have to practice and work at. Um, and, and it is a, a time when we willingly surrender. We give up our energies, our agendas, our bodies, and we trust in God. And we trust in His control over time. That we are not what we produce. We are who we belong to. Um, and if we're willing to practice that, and practice all so many other things that Jesus comes to teach us, right? Um, we can begin to readjust the thirst, the desires of our hearts, that we no longer thirst after the things that only satisfy temporarily, but we begin to curate a, a lifestyle that shapes our hearts and the direction of our hearts to find satisfaction in that which truly satisfies. 
Are you with me right there? And so, so this is a discipline. It's just like your prayer life. Uh, it doesn't save you, right? We're not talking about uh, any kind of, of, of law here, but we're talking about a gift that Jesus practiced that he calls us to follow him and to learn from him how to rest, from learn, to learn from him how to find our identity in him. And, and God, we learn to find that God loves us more than what we produce. He loves who we are, and he loves us so much that he would give us right limitations. You are not created to live on, working, producing 24-7. Not even God did that. There were right limitations to the way of Jesus. And we don't like that because in our culture, freedom means removal of all limitations. Give me no boundaries, and that's how I get freedom. And Jesus comes and says, actually, follow me, yoke up with me, let me teach you the right pace of life the right kind of limitations about all things, and you will find freedom. Mm. Right? Yep. Yeah. So, speed, speed. <laughs> Pete Scazzaro, um, he's a minister at NYC. Many of you probably have heard of him, read his books. Um, for many, many years, he's been writing a series um, and books on discipleship and emotionally healthy spirituality, emotionally healthy church. Okay. Um, anyways, he wrote 10 reasons why we should Sabbath, which I think are pretty, really pretty good. Um, number one, it was something that God did. Like, maybe that should be enough, right? <laughs> Jesus practiced it, and those, those of us created in his image, like, maybe we should as well. Um, two, Sabbath was built in the DNA of creation. So everything, if you look at nature, has a rhythm, It stops, it dies, it comes back. Um, Farmers let their land land rest so that it could produce better. Um, Three, God created Sabbath as holy. And I think you preached about this one Sunday. Um, Anyways, that day was holy. It was a holy day of rest. Four, it helps us embrace our limits. I think it is really good. Um, God is running the universe. We're not, right? Um, We're not the ultimate person in charge. It'll go on, sadly, without me. Um, And then I love this one, number five. It protects us from doing violence to ourselves, like our body and our emotions, our mind. Um, If you have kids, do you know how poorly they do when they lack sleep and rest? So do we. Yeah. Right? Nobody does well that way. We're not meant to go on 24-7. We'll burn out. Six, um, it reminds us that, that God's world is good and that there's enough that he'll provide, and it's a little preview of what's to come mm-hmm. when all work will stop. Yes. Um, seven, it defeats the powers that define people by what they do. Right? Instead of like you are the job and you are the work. No, there's something more to us. And it kind of puts an end to that. It helps put an end to that. Um, Eight, Sabbath offers a lived experience in God's love because it's meant to take away distractions, things that are like vying for your attention, um, idols, right? Idol temptations so that you can really focus on God. Nine, it breaks the addiction to the doing and the making and the producing and accomplishing that is so much of our culture. Um, And then finally, it points us to Jesus, right? Like, why take a day off to spend it with Jesus? 
well, spend it with Jesus and find out, right? Like it's an experience that will that'll keep giving you. That's good. Um, so Jesus comes. He offers us a counter liturgy to the world. He lives in a relationship with God uh, that brings trust and rest. And he says, hey, come yoke up with me. Let me teach you how to live at that pace of life. Not rushed, not hurried, not anxious, no longer competing, but practicing peace, patience, being with the one who made you, living the good life. So if you want to begin to try that, to practice that, um, to engage in this counter liturgy, there's really four things that you're looking for on a Sabbath. One, you, you want it to be something that you, it's a space where you stop. You stop all paid and unpaid work. So like for us, we, we empty the dishwasher the day before Sabbath. We don't want to load, we don't want to clean dishes, right? Uh, we don't want to unload or load. We, we vacuum the house. We get the house all set up, all done. I take out the trash. We do all the stuff. Uh, so that for a period of time, we can rest, not just from our paid work, but from our unpaid work. That came after weeks and weeks. That, that took some time to learn. Um, you, you stop all work. Then you rest. You do what brings you deep, satisfying rest. You sleep in. You exercise a little bit, maybe. You eat well. You take a walk. You, you have a meal with a friend. You delight, third, you delight. So you stop, rest, and you third, you delight. You enjoy what she talked about. You enjoy all that God has already done, just like he stopped and enjoyed all that he had already done. You, you, you take longer times to pray, longer times to, to read scripture and to study and to meditate, to sing songs and to worship God, to enjoy your spouse and your family, your backyard, your garden, your whatever, your home. You, you delight in all the good that God has given you. And then four, you, you contemplate. So stop, rest, delight, and contemplate. This is a time of, of, of bringing your attention to God. This is not a day off. This is not just a time to do errands. This is not a time to, to, to just check out. This is not a time to just, um, you know, to take naps all day and forget about the world. This is a time to intentionally contemplate God's eternity, to, that you are in relationship with the one who created you, to dwell in that space for 24 hours. Does that make sense? Um, so in a very practical way, choose a seven-day rhythm for you that will work for this. Now, everybody's got different situations. Like Rachel said, you may not be able to start off with 24 hours, but maybe you can start off with eight or 12 and work your way towards that 24-hour space. Um, Sundays, for many of us, would be a great option because worship's already built in, right? Mm -hmm. And you take the day to rest and delight in God and to be with the fellowship. Or others, it may be a different day. But Jesus makes it clear in his teachings. Again, and I just want to overemphasize, Sabbath is designed for you. Like, this is a gift for you so that you can live out your design, so that you can live at rest. This is not something that you do to justify yourself before God. You could not practice Sabbath, and I think you'll still go to heaven. Okay? But you may go there, you know, a little more tired. A little less familiar with the rest that you're about to experience for eternity. You might experience a little less heaven here on earth. A little less too. heaven here on earth. 
Um, and, and, and I think when speaking about salvation, if we're talking about it more than just a membership card to heaven someday, but we're talking about it from liberation, which is the language that the Bible uses, salvation. If we're talking about liberating our bodies and our minds, maybe Sabbath has some salvation for us even to experience here in this life. Um, but Jesus offers you this um, and, and invites you to it. Um, you are not made to work 24-7. You are made to work six days a week. So this is not an invitation to be lazy either. But this is an invitation to rest, to delight, to have a full stop, to worship, to contemplate, to be with God. So let's be shaped, amen, amen. by this practice of Jesus, by this liturgy of Jesus. It's a counter liturgy to the world's formation. And yet we trust, we anchor our hope in that Jesus came to offer us life to the full. And that didn't mean necessarily a full schedule, mm -hmm. but it's still life to the full. Mm 